Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Mike Bong and I'm the editor-in-chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me is my co-host and frequent contributor pro football focus and fantasy pros, Ryan Whitfield. And with us tonight, we are excited to have a special guest. That's right, we have Adam and Eva from the Burgundy Gold Report. Welcome back to the show, Adam. Hey, thanks for having me on. Oh, doing great, doing great now that you're, now that you're here. Because I can tell you, for a while there, we, we had you pretty regularly, and now we're down to the middle of the season. And uh, we've got a lot to talk to you about, about the NFC, because I know you are the guy when it comes to the Boston football team. So we've got a lot to talk about. And But hey, before we get to that, guys, I've been seeing all these reports that uh, COVID's on the rise, unfortunately. So it looks like I am at least going to have uh, more work from home in the future. And the one thing I realized is that I eat a lot more snack chips when I'm I'm at home. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but that has been my experience. So, I guess led me to this question here. What's your favorite snack chip? Adam, I'll start with you. Do you have a favorite snack chip? i got to be almost cool. I like the Doritos, man. You know, I'm not too complicated. Doritos. All right. That's cool. Like traditional or you're a Cool Ranch guy? Just traditional. <laughs> Hey, I'm getting some kind oh, of weird Adam? feedback here. Yeah, me too. Hey, Adam, are you are you there? Because I, I, mean, I actually we kind of kind of lost you there for a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm here. I'm here. I hear too. It's kind of weird, but now I hear. Oh, yeah, we got we have like a, we have like on ghost on. people on. <laughs> Nothing like having <laughs> ghost people on that. We have a guest ghost on the podcast. <laughs> people are gonna check this out. This is gonna be fun for everybody. Supernatural here. <laughs> Uh, Ryan, uh, what's your favorite snack chip? Well, uh, Adam just said he's not too complicated, but I'm going to overcomplicate this question because I think it's an absolute loaded question. Nice. How dare you ask me what my one favorite chip is? You can't answer that question. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what, what, what kind of what kind of scenario are we talking? You know, um, that's right. I, I'll, I'll piggyback on the Doritos. Question. Like if I'm feeling flavorful, I'll go uh, I'll go a nice Cool Ranch Dorito. And if I'm just going universal uh, chip that I can eat with everything, it's obviously Ruffles because that uh, way better than the Lay's Wavy. Lay's Wavy sucks. Uh, Ruffles with the totally Lay's fantastic. Uh, and then if I'm going specialty, I love that uh, that dill pickle flavor from Lay's uh, from from Lay's that they put out over yeah. like the, the last year or two here. So that's uh, that's the trio. Uh, but I, think I, I can honestly add ten more, that, in, but I'll cut it there. Well, that is that's so. See, this is I just opened up a whole can there. I can't believe that we opened Pandora's <laughs> box on that question. Oh, now you want to talk uh, but Pringles? I, I will, huh? I'm gonna, yeah, right. We're gonna talk Pringles. I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw on the applause there. Typically, I don't like to interrupt our theme music, uh, but since the uh, mystical ghost that opened already interrupted our theme music, I add a little bit of applause there for you, Ryan, because um, I was gonna go off the script and go with Funyuns or Munchos. I don't know if you guys ever had them before. I love Funyuns and Munchos. I will tell you though this. Funyuns I not, not really a chip, but a but a great but a great uh, a great addition into the conversation. Well, it's kind of, kind of crunch. Definitely, I mean, like definitely. true, munchos are like a fake chip. <laughs> you know, I mean, like clearly it's like the leftover of the uh, potato to decide to fry up and fool me into thinking it was a chip. But I totally bought it, so I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, I will tell you this one crazy story before we get into the real things. I, I actually opened up a bag of Funyuns 
once when I was in high school, and inside was one giant Funyun, like one big cylinder. I broke it open, and inside was a giant cockroach. So that was um, that put me oh on Funyun for. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, <geez. laughs> I'm back in it now, though, guys. I'm okay. I'm over it. Took me took me about 30 years to get over my uh, my PTSD on that, but I'm I'm good now. All right, so you know in those times that I like to eat lots of snack chips. That's why I watch football, and we got lots of football news to cover today, including discussing Le'Veon Bell, Tua Times, some fantasy football, the crazy NFC East as previously discussed, and games to watch in Week Seven, and so much more. So let's go get this rolling. Okay, let's talk about Le'Veon Bell. You know, he had uh, he had a very interesting <laughs> month here. October 13th, after multiple public feuds between Bell and head coach Adam Gase, the Jets eventually released Bell, and the Jets signed Bell originally to a four-year, $52 million contract after he held out in the 2018 season, and now they have a $15 million dead cap space there following his release. And they still owe him $6 million this year. So Bell quickly opted for the best real-life landing spot, at least in his estimation, the Kansas City Chiefs, instead of possibly a bigger payday in Miami or Buffalo. He ends up only getting $690,000 with a $1 million incentive clause. Uh, so eh, maybe he'll get a little bit more than that, but practically a steal for the Kansas City Chiefs. Of course, rookie Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been making a name for himself in Kansas City, most recently rushing for 161 yards in Week 6. Let's start with you, Adam. What do you think the biggest real-life football impact this move has and what do you think is the biggest fantasy football impact this has i don't think we're going to see like any crazy numbers early on i think this will be a move that really uh is seen in the playoffs i think for now i actually think we're going to see him you know have more of an impact in the receiving game than the run game i think with hilaire williams i think they like what they have there i don't think that they're going to really force the whole issue and try to get him you know 10 to 15 carries a game so i think early on you know, you're going to see him in the passing game. But when they get later in the season and even towards the playoff, that's when I think, you know, the move is going to be viewed, I think, as a genius move in the end, not just because of, you know, what he can add. It's because what he can add in Kansas City. He's a perfect fit. And, honestly, I, I don't see any team right now that will take Kansas City out. And I think this move just was, was the cherry on the top. As long as they can stay healthy. You know, I had Edward Hilaire, you know, one of my top fantasy guys in most of my league. So, you know, he's doing what I thought he would do early on. Yeah, no, and then uh, music to the to the ears of the fans of the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's turn to you, Ryan. What do you think is the biggest real-life football impact that this move has, and uh, what do you think the biggest fantasy impact is? So, so uh, you know, I'll just put my bias out on the table to start. I am not a Love okay. Bell fan, um, and <laughs> I think he's one of the more overrated players in the NFL. Uh, I think he has been for a while. Um you know, I'm looking – just wanted to look quickly at the PFF grading system and, you know, really outside of 2014 and 2015 and 2016, just a slight tick under, but still pretty good. But outside of that, I mean, he puts up – I mean, his offensive grades are, are pretty average. So, you know, the one uh, the one myth I've heard a lot about this year is – and this is the case for advanced grading sites and uh, advanced uh, statistics sites is that – you know, Le'Veon Bell, what's he supposed to do with that offensive line? You know, no one can get through four guys, um, which is a gross exaggeration of what he faces on every play scenario anyways. But, two, yep. um, it is, uh, you know, it, it, the, the point is of these sites is to grade him independent of what's going on around him. How physically is he performing? And he's been an average guy. Um, 
especially that position, you know, he, he's had a huge workload uh, in his career. And everyone says we took a year off and he's, and he's probably fresh from that. And uh, historically, you know, especially the running back position, if you, you know, if you sit out or take time off, you don't come back better. It, that's not how it works. Like you come back um, less, uh, less productive than, than when you left. So, you know, he has that issue. And then, um, and, and so, and I, and I think that again, that his, I think he's a person that's constantly remembered at what he was at his peak as opposed to what he's traditionally been, which again, is still probably a top 15, top 10 back in the game at, at you know, on a year to year basis. Right. And then the couple of years, obviously he was probably one of the top three, if not the number one guy. Um, so with all that said, the, the, the move makes a lot of sense for Kansas city, low money, low risk. Um, and yep. on top of it, uh, you know, I, I put out a red zone report on one of the other sites I write for during the week. And, uh, I wrote last week how going into, and I haven't looked at the numbers yet this week, but going into last week, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, was the only guy with 14 or more carries in the red zone that had yet to score a touchdown. And most of the guys had multiple touchdowns. And if you remember from opening night, I think he had three cracks at it from inside the five and actually inside yes, the two. And I do he remember that. Any of those. Yeah. So that's been something missing from the game. I made the tweet, <laughs> the tweet joke last week that I saw you like. Uh, after Williams scored and said, oh, they do have a running back that can run the ball in in the red zone um, because Williams finally broke through for Kansas City. So um, it makes sense for them. But, again, another part that, that's forgotten is, you know, a player holding out to get his money is one thing. But this is a guy who who was routinely having issues getting suspended. Uh, there's hey, the caller, Garrett that, uh, him. Sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I, yeah, I can hear you too, Hakun, can you hear me? I yeah. can hear you, yep. Sorry, okay. sorry. So, <laughs> Got, no, it's all right. Sorry, some confusion in the, in, the, in the mix there. Um, yeah, so anyways, I mean, this is a guy who's had several issues in terms of being able to stay on the field, whether injury or suspension-related. Um, so I think those are factors you have to remember, too, that, that his off-the-field stuff makes him no guarantee of being uh, a successful fit there either. So, again, low-risk fantasy impact. It just makes the the Kansas City background or backfield frustrating as it was last year and this year, and there's just a lot of guys. And with all the weapons there, um, if anything, I think the impact is a slight downgrade now on Clyde. Um, I don't think there's much of a boost for Le'Veon owners, um, but I agree with you that he'll probably make a biggest his biggest impact in the pass game. But you guys remember how many weapons there are there, so how how many targets is he going to get per game? Right, right. All right. Well, we got a caller here, guys. Uh, we got Lou. We've got Lou from New Jersey calling in here with a question. Lou, go ahead. You're on the line. Yes. All right. Um, now, we know about um, Miami going with uh, Tag tomorrow, more uh, than Tua, but I don't know if it's the right one for the job. I mean, you know, okay, he had a good uh, mini debut last week for the Jets. Well, that wasn't much of a game anyway. But to have him start after having, you know, coming back from uh, hip surgery, I don't know if he's the right one to, uh, to start. I mean, I get the reason why the coach wants him, but I think if he gets one more, you know, injury, I think it's going to be a lot of trouble. All right. Well, so Lou, jumping Come in on, on the next topic on uh, on Tua Tag Tag of Viola from the Dolphins. I know you just kind of we just kind of finished up talking about Le'Veon Bell, but um, just to, to transition oh, a, a little bit uh, here, you know, the surprise news obviously Miami Dolphins announcing that they'll be yeah. starting rookie first round pick. Tua Tagovailoa on week eight after he returned from the bye. Most surprising, uh, to me at least, since Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing some of the best football in his career, leading them to a 3-3 three and three record, second in the AFC East. Right. So, Lou, you don't think that this is the right time for Tua to get in there. Is that what you're saying? 
That's, yeah. I mean, you know, coming from his uh, major hip injury, I know it was last year, but, you know, he's, he, I think he's very injury-prone, and I think the last thing that, you know, anybody needs is an injury-prone player uh, making his start because that can do some serious damage to the team. Mm-hmm. And right. Talk about injury-prone. I think that uh, I think Adam, you really have a lot of experience with injury-prone players over in the Washington football team. Why don't you give us your perspective <laughs> on uh, your uh, thoughts on Tua coming in being injury-prone, only a year out from pretty serious surgery? Yeah, <clears throat> you know I'm a big-time Alabama fan. I have been since Chris Samuels was a mm-hmm. freshman there, and one of the first things I said after he had the injury, you know, I looked at the correlations with the Bo Jackson injury that you know basically ended his career. And granted, things have come a long way. Yes. But everything I read and heard was his um, the likelihood of him getting an arthritic hip, which is going to lead to more problems with you know his other leg and this are high at this point. So I don't understand when you have Ryan Fitzpatrick playing at the level he was, which is like you know I, I think it was right. top twelve or so in the league. Why would you go to Tua? Yeah. The fact that they're rushing him right now, it just shows you the impatience and the immaturity of a lot of teams. You know, my, you know, my one of the teams I follow included Washington. You know, it's an impatience to not let the process just play out. And that's what they're doing over there. And I right. think that right now you're still building that offensive line over there. And, yes, you've had some success. But really there, in my opinion – this is the totally wrong move you could do right now. I think this could totally backfire for yep. them, and, and I hope it doesn't. But I, because I have high hopes for Tua, but I said to everyone, anybody that drafts him in the first round, it's going to be a big time risk with his injury concerns. Yeah, yeah look at that. It looks like they're in, uh, they're agreeing with you there, Lou. But uh, Ryan, you want to chime in on this, yeah. Tua? Yeah, I mean, I almost feel like we might be looking at this the wrong way. Not to go all conspiracy theory on this, but you know. The NFL has become sort of like you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. NFL has become sort of like the NBA in the sense of going eight and eight and being in that middle ground is about the worst place you can be. You know, if you're successful yeah, in competing, right. that's fine. If you're at the bottom of the league, um, then that's better because you can go get good. You know, go get some good draft capital. Obviously, the Dolphins have done a great job of building right. out that roster. They've had a couple of really solid drafts in a row, and I almost wonder if they yeah. looked at it and said. Fitz is going to lead us right to an 8-8 eight and eight record like he always does with every team he's a part of. And <laughs> right. what, what's that get us? The, the 15th overall pick? Let's, get our, let's, let's, let's move over to Tua now, give him the, the keys so we can get through our growing pains with him this year. Hopefully, you know, we, we'll, we'll compete and fight hard and we'll, we'll play to win, but hopefully because of those growing pains, we'll finish a couple games worse than we would have with Ryan and, and, now, and now we'll have a chance to go out there and, and make another high draft pick next year and have a high second-round pick on the heels of it, too. So um, I wonder if there's almost some of that where they looked at it and said, three and three, like, what, what are we going to do? You know, and, and, you know, maybe yeah. sneak in as the seventh seed in this playoff system. Like, and, then, and then even if somehow you pull a miracle in one week one or, or that, that new first round, then you got to go mm-hmm. and play Kansas City. Like, come on. I mean, so I just, yeah. I wonder, I just wonder if, if they looked at that and said, like, this is trending in the absolute wrong direction, so now it's time to make the move and get him his growing lumps this year, add to the uh, team, because they still have yep. a lot of cap money, add to the team in the offseason, have a good draft again, and then next year they could actually be really competing uh, for a chance to win the division. Yeah, poor right. Fitzy, only when he was doing well. Did, did a little bit too well. All right, Lou, any last thoughts uh, on this before we uh, move on? Well, I just want to comment on your last topic. I joined in a little bit late, but I think they just did the right thing on dismissing Bill because he wasn't happy there and didn't want to be there anyway. So that was the best move I think the Jets right. have made so far all year because he was doing nothing. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, uh, and, and and definitely there are some there are lots of issues there with with Bell and his productivity, and there's a whole lot of it's a, a huge dumpster fire over there uh, with the Jets right now. Clearly a problem. Yeah. You know what? Move on and, and build up. And Le'Veon Bell is in the past, and clearly a great move by the Chiefs. Thanks a lot for calling in, Lou. Keep on listening. We appreciate your thoughts. Thank you. Hakum, before we move on too far. All right, far, guys. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, before we move on too I just want to take one last yep. shot here because I've had uh, this one on my radar for the last three years. But uh, a couple years ago, okay. uh, it might have been two years ago, I did um, a mock draft on Twitter and put it up and got killed by Jets fans uh, for having them take uh, a left tackle instead of uh, instead of drafting Quinnen Williams. And I was told how stupid I was yep. and how – and then how that, that was the right move. And since then, they signed Lev Bell, blown him out. Uh, they've ruined Sam Darnold, uh, who I, I don't know if he yep. ever gets it back. That seeing Ghost thing last year was not a joke, and it's only gotten worse this year. He's running for his life all the time. But thank God they got Quinn Williams playing defensive tackle for him. That is really going to pay dividends. <laughs> so stupid Jets going to stupid Jets. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, you know, that's the way it is with the New York Jets. They, are, uh, they got a lot of work in front of them to do. So let's go ahead and ring the bell, though, on that, because I want to talk about – the other side of town, uh, the New York Football Giants, as well as all their comrades in the AFC, NFC East. Wow, that woeful NFC East. Through week six, the NFC East is a wretched combined five, eighteen, and one. No, you did not mishear me. They've won five of their combined 24 games this season. So some team, keep this in mind, is going to come out of this division and play in the playoffs later this year. Adam, let me start with you. I know that you uh, keep track of the NFC East, being um, having the Burgundy and Gold Report there and following the Washington football team. Tell me about what your thoughts are with the problem, is the problem with the NFC East, and also talk a little bit about that quarterback situation in Washington, which seems to be a little bit unclear. For sure. You know, besides Washington, of course, I've been following the other teams closely. And it really started with Dallas with, uh, you know, Travis Frederick, their center, they retired. And all that money that they had in that line, they really had their run. And what a lot of people aren't seeing now that, you know, maybe people in Dallas have blinders on is granted they have, they got some receiving weapons, but their offensive line has slowly deteriorated to one of the best to probably bottom of the league and that's pretty much what's happened across the whole nfc east every team has really not put a ton of stock and rebuilding their line you know the, the eagles showed it by bringing back peters you know they had an injury granted to dillard but they really didn't put too much emphasis and washington they didn't at all same right. with new york so it started with that and then they followed with um can you guys hear me okay yeah yep okay i just want to make sure i can hear you fine um Okay, and, you know, it basically followed up there with the defense. It's most of the teams have a decent front, uh, you know, front line, but for the most part, everybody in the East has a horrible back end. So it's just about, you know, giving up a ton of points to, t- to teams around the league, and it's really affecting their, you know, overall ability to do anything and compete. So right now, you know, granted, each team has their own skill players. They're, you know, some of the top in the league. But it's just not enough. They're, they're, they're teams that went by the wayside. They really didn't build through the trenches the right way, and they're paying for it. You know, the, the Cowboys put all their money and all their, you know, investments into their line, and it's slowly deteriorated. Um, as for Washington, um, that's the biggest crap show in, in the whole division, if you ask me, because, you know, yeah. <laughs> Ron Rivera definitely had his work cut out for him. And, you know, you add on now that he's been – I think he's four weeks now into his cancer treatments, and he's still dealing with all this. 
But what the same thing we're seeing with him that we saw in Carolina is his issues with in-game management and situational football. That play that happened against New York where he called the two points that are going for the win was got to be yeah. one of the worst plays that I've seen in a long time. And for coming from a Washington yep. football team fan, that's saying a lot. Like, you know, we have to go back to the Jim Zorn, <laughs> Steve Spurrier days to really say quite how right. bad that was. And the fact is we've actually got fans that are saying, well, he's Riverboat Ron. And, you know, going for fourth down is one thing, but when you have the opportunity to tie it and go to overtime and you go for the two, that's what the Dolphins did last year when they were clearly, clearly tanking. So, you know, right. if Washington's not right. tanking, I don't know what they're doing, but I think I'm on board with a lot of other <laughs> Washington fans that think, you know, Rivera, um, I think he's compromised. Um, you know, they call it chemo brain for a reason, not to be in family members that are going through treatment too. And one thing's consistent yep. is it's not they're not rational, and a lot of decisions they make aren't rational. And I think he's barely took any time off. I think it's affecting his play calling. I think it's his decision-making. And, you know, not to, you know, drown, keep going with it, but Dwayne Haskins, the whole situation with him, that was mishandled, I, I say, worse than it was with Jay Gruden. That's a lot to say because with Jay Gruden, I think yep. he didn't really make any qualms about he really wasn't going to play him. He wasn't interested in playing. But Rivera really right. turned around and I think gave the facade that he was going to give him an opportunity. But after a couple games in, he decided it was enough. But as I've stated on Twitter, you don't make a decision to go from a quarterback one and drop him down to QB three for simply based right. on performance. So I think the dramas continue in Washington – the media will have you think that it's about Alex Smith getting an opportunity. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. It's not about that. It's about something is really going on with Dwayne Haskins and the team inside. Unlike years past, there was plenty of leaks. We found out exactly what's going on right now. I think it's pretty, probably similar to what happened with Trent Williams and Rivera before he was traded. And I think we're going to see that with Haskins soon, no matter what you hear from the local national media, he's on his way out too. So um, I think right now the division is just horrible seven, eight wins are going to win it. But right now, I, I, I'll tell you, I definitely don't think Washington's going to be the one to win it right now, even though I like what they've done on some things on defense, but they just have not done nearly enough. Yeah, I don't know who's going to win it if it's not going to be Washington. I mean, I, I thought it was going to be Dallas, but if there's one coach that's doing worse than Ron Rivera right now, it's Mike McCarthy. Uh, man, what a yeah. disaster and dumpster fire that's going on down there in Dallas right now. But let me flip it over to you, Ryan. Get your thoughts on the NFC East and what you think is going wrong with that division. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a – you know, I agree with most everything Adam said, but I'll, I'll take some different approaches just on, on each team here. Uh, in Dallas, um, and I'm going to talk a lot about stuff, you you know, uh, just from, from PFF's point of view, just not, not as a representation of PFF, but just uh, when you read their articles and stuff, uh, what they'll tell you about it and – you know, I, I think right. over the last several years, Ezekiel Elliott's been ranked like the tenth best running back, um, and, and it's because the, the offensive line was producing more for him than than he was. And, and so again, it's similar to the Lavelle situation. Talking about advanced analytics, don't don't just look at yards in yep. yards per attempt. You know, look at look at you know yards versus yards expected. You know, you always talk about right. uh, football outsiders, and they do a great job of breaking down that stuff too. Um, so with that right. said, that's the guy that chose to invest in instead of the quarterback when, when it's a passing league, and that guy is what makes that offense special. Dak Prescott, you, I'm, the, the, the drop-off from Prescott to Dalton is about 10,000 miles bigger than the drop-off from Ezekiel Elliott to Tony Pollard. So, yes. and, and, you know, we saw that when I can't remember the kid's name now, the – 
the running back out of Ohio, I think he was the, the kid out of Ohio State, Smith or something, I forget who it was now, that stepped in, you know, when Elliott was out. And, like, they were still rushing for 100 yards a game. Like, they, that right. was about their offensive line. But now they've, they've been, they, you know, we talked about this because this show has been going on for about five or six years. And when we first got on the air five or six years ago, okay, we talked about how great they built that offensive line. Well, now that offensive right. line is it, old. So, so it's no longer a strength anymore. So, so, so right. they, it, it, but it all comes down to that you can flip the coach, you can flip the personnel. The issue in Dallas has been what the issue has been in Dallas since, since uh, um, oh, jeez, drawing a blank, Jimmy. Uh, God, why can't the old Hurricanes coach that won the two Super Bowls in Dallas? Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson Thank you, there. Jesus. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson. Since Jimmy Johnson walked out the door, and, and since then, because they butted heads so much, G- Jones thought that those championships were a reflection on him, which they weren't. They were right. a reflection on Johnson and the team. Uh, so now he won't put anybody in there with any kind of power. He just surrounds himself with right. those men, and that's all what they've been. And so, and so it's a disaster. And Mike McCarthy had, had a good stretch, but like most guys, the game eventually seems to pass them by um, because the NFL evolves and changes so much, and very few guys can adapt to those changes. And Mike McCarthy was not good the last couple of years in Green Bay. Then he was out of, the ga- out of the game for a year. Now he's back, and he looks just as inept as he was the last couple of years years in Green Bay. So, you know, there's a reason yeah. Aaron Rodgers was tuning him out. I still think it says a lot about Aaron Rodgers that he did that kind of stuff, but, um, you know, all that stuff about how he, he wants a coach that, you know, he's open to reviewing game film with coaches. Like, there's some stuff wrong with Aaron Rodgers in that equation, too. But that doesn't mean Mike McCarthy is blameless in that situation because he's not. So that's what you're seeing in Dallas, in my opinion. And Philadelphia, you know, what we talked about was, again, Grading players at their peak versus what the the body of work says they are, you know, and and I was I fell for this because I loved the guy a couple years ago, but Carson Wentz has had about yep. an 18 stretch of good games in his entire career, and that team was so good that Nick Foles stepped in and won a Super Bowl with it. So, how much of that was really Carson Wentz, and how much was that was that uh, of that was the pieces around him? Uh, then you look at the receivers they've yep. taken in the last two years, and if you look at the there was somebody put out a list the other day of like 10 receivers that they that the Eagles have passed on in the last two drafts, and you look and go, ugh. The offensive line is certainly a problem, but that uh, that receiving core is, is old and slow. I mean, it, you know, you, there's only so many years you could bank on Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. At some point, you did some young kind of blood, and I like Jalen Rigor, but we'll, we'll see if that actually pans out. And again, I think I like him as like a number two, number three. I don't think that's a that's not a franchise number one receiver they drafted, in my opinion. So there's right. there's a whole host of issues going on in Philadelphia. Uh, and then what, the last one I want to touch on with Philly is just that we talked about this a lot on the show. Um, Carson Wentz's best time is also when Frank Reich was there. And Frank Reich has done a lot with very little, uh, in my opinion, at the quarterback position in Indianapolis um, since getting there. So was that Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz, or was that Frank Reich's offensive mind really helping that team? Uh, I would say it's probably more of the right. latter. Now looking at the Giants quickly, yep. again, as a uh, – I had to mention the offensive line problems for all these teams. You know, the Giants need to go after and actually invest into offensive linemen. You know, and I and I mean guys like who, who whose best days are, are on the come. You know, spend a high end draft pick on it, really build you know, high end draft picks on it, and really build up that line. The fact that a couple of years ago Nate Solder, who had been regressing the last couple of years in New England, was their big off season sign was stupid. Um, it, memo right. to the whole league: stop shaking. The NFL or the, the the Patriots coaching tree, it's not good. It is that Bill before. Belichick is not the <laughs> Belichick is not the greatest of all time just because how good he gets his teams to play. But he's also the greatest of all time because basically all of his coaches have gone else, elsewhere and sucked. So right. he, he covers up for as bad as the, the assistants are. And you know Joe Judge was always a dumb hire in my opinion, especially because I, I just don't. 
I just feel like special teams is such a niche part of, of the operation when you look at the three game, you know, the three uh, phases of the game that oh, I prefer game, my coaches yeah. to come yeah. out of the offensive side, you know, and, you know, I prefer offensive head coaches because I just think there's a lot more parts to manage, so they're better at multi, multi, uh, multitasking than the rest. Um, special teams would be even lower down that list for me, obviously. So um, yep. I think they made the wrong move there. And then lastly, in, in Washington, I mean, Adams, the closest to it, he has the best beat on it. Um, you know, I like some of the things they've done on that on that defensive side, but it just feels like, you know, on the offensive side, they continue to operate uh, with spare parts. Um, and so, you know, they they feel the furthest away right now for me, but, you know, I think I saw a stat today, not a stat, like a, a meme out there about how they're, you know, one game away from the first overall pick and one game away from leading the division, <laughs> uh, which tells you everything you need to know about right. the NFC East right now. And then the last one, because this is <laughs> worth mentioning, with Philly, because I, yeah. I skipped over this part, but I was just looking at it. You know, Miles Sanders last year had 179 touches. This year, he's already been banged up twice and stuff. I, there has to be real questions about because I wasn't high on him outside of coming out of college. Then we saw some uh, flashes of what he could be last year. I think I think yeah. you have to worry about if he can be a bell cow back for you or not. And Boston Scott, who flashed at the end of last year, for anyone who owns him in fantasy and deeper league like myself, knows that he's been an absolute uh, bust this year. So yeah, um, I, I don't yeah. Think he's but we'll see. Yes, Thursday. Yeah, we will. Yep. So I, I mean, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say just before we, we do turn this over here, just to say that uh, you know you mentioned there, Ryan, um, the entire Jalen Rieger draft, and you might recall when we did that uh, draft special live, that when they picked Jalen Rieger, I was upset because I thought that at minimum Justin Jefferson, T Higgins, even Lavisca Chenault actually hit my target higher than Jalen Rieger. And, uh, you know, they, those three guys are actually pretty successful in the NFL right now and Rieger um, on IR and on his way back, but still, who knows when. Uh, so definitely some, some issues there. Uh, Adam, do you have some final thoughts on the NFC East? Um, <clears throat> I just think prepare for more ugly ball. And I think anybody who thinks they know <laughs> the winner of Dallas-Washington is kidding themselves because I think if Andy Dalton on one side and – you know, Washington is, is one bad snap or one big hit from Alex Smith being back on the field. So I bet yep. uh, we're in for some pretty sloppy games in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, as a fan, I, I'm, I, what I'm doing right now is I'm just doing a lot of evaluating on who's on Washington and who I think needs to be upgraded. So uh, you're going to be me and you know a couple guys going to be doing some um, pod series pa- uh, coming out and I'll have some articles coming out about uh you know, some of the quarterbacks that are going to really just not – everyone's talking about Lawrence and Fields, but, you know, next to those guys, there's some really, you know, good talent that we'll be talking about and, you know, breaking down some evaluations that uh, we we found interesting about this, this year's class. Oh, yeah, well, definitely should – everyone should definitely check that out. I mean, that's something that's going to be really interesting to, to break down. Of course, everyone on the Trevor Lawrence train, but there are so many other options out there deeper in the draft. Okay, guys, let's go ahead and get to the last part. And, hey, real quick here, what game are you looking forward to the most in week seven of the NFL? Adam, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you know, I was looking through it, you know, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Carolina – uh, New Orleans, Seattle, Arizona, but the game that just keeps popping out is, is that Bucks Raiders game. And I, you know, I said to you, I think mm-hmm. the last time we were probably on is, you know, don't get so hyped with the Tom Brady. But I was also saying that definitely not expecting that this Bucks defense would be what they are. So I think the fact that you yeah. know the way their defense is playing and the way Brady and that offense is playing right now, 
I think that right now this could, we could be talking about the Bucks and Kansas City in the Super Bowl, which that's crazy. I wouldn't have said that a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, Ooh. don't sleep on the Raiders. I think the Raiders are a team that, you know, we could definitely see an upset in that game. So, to me, that's, that's the must-game to watch, uh, must watch game of the week for me. Yeah, that's great. And, of course, that's going to be on Sunday Night Football. So, uh, good time for everybody to watch on Sunday night. Ryan, what do you think? What's uh, the game that you really are looking forward to on Week 7? Well, I'll, I'll be, uh, as, as I am all season, uh, I, will, I will hate watching every game uh, of the Buccaneers because um, <laughs> it's, 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 super, <laughs> it's super annoying uh, just, just how good Brady is and how much he has left in the tank when he actually shows up to OTAs. Uh, you know, didn't want to show yeah. up to OTAs the last <laughs> two years in New England and get mad at all his rookie receivers. And then this year was breaking NFL uh, COVID protocols. Um, just so that he could be out there with his teammates. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, um, I was dancing a lot early in that game on Sunday against Green Bay before uh, before Aaron Rodgers decided to shit the bed. So, um, oh my gosh, did he just fall off a cliff? <laughs> yeah, and I love so it. So for me, by the it's, way. Uh, I loved it. it's Seattle. Well, yeah, you would. Uh, <laughs> it's Seattle, Arizona, because I think okay, interesting. Great uh, game. The 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 leap that the offense has taken in Arizona this year. Um, has been has been a joy to watch. I think we've seen that Kyler Murray can be, uh, you know, I think there's questions just given his size and his play style, um, you know, what, what, what you could get from Kyler Murray in the NFL. Um, and I think you see, uh, the, you know, the high-end specialness he can have. Um, the Christian Kirk uh, performance this year has been awesome. Uh, everyone who was downgrading uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, fantasy-wise coming into this year because he was – uh, going into a less productive offense with a less uh, less known quarterback, um, forget that he used to catch balls from Brock Osweiler and Matt Schaub. Apparently, um, so he's just proven again why he you know is is probably uh, Julio's on the back nine. I've expressed my love for Julio on the show for years because uh, he's the prototypical yep, receiver I want that uh, is built like a freaking tree uh, and a moose combined, right. um, and and still right. super fast and can, and can play super athletic. Uh, so DeAndre is a little less of that. Uh, caliber guy, but I think he might be my my number one guy in the league right now, um, and he's just proven it because it just yep. whoever whoever you've given him, he's performed with throughout his career. So that's a lot of fun. And interestingly enough, I mean, they had one of the best drafts in, in the league, in my opinion, especially because they uh, they didn't have a second round pick, so they had to make some some moves at one and three, um, and they were able to add to the offensive line at the third pick um, with you know some yep. things falling their way there, luckily. Um, but with that said. You know, Isaiah Simmons has basically not played and not been a factor, and they still uh, have been a competitive club this year. So um, a little bit alarming that Isaiah Simmons has had the start to his rookie campaign that he's had, and hopefully, um, you know, that progresses. But I think you're starting to see some guys like Buda Baker really uh, establish themselves as, as high-caliber defensive players. Um, so that defense isn't where they need to be, and they're certainly not a deep playoff team. But I think they could be a fun team to, to sneak into the playoffs with that new, uh, with a new format. Um, and then next year, if they can go yeah. add to the defensive side a little bit more in the draft, um, you know, because again, when you look at, if I told you coming into the year that Isaiah Simmons would be a non-factor, Kenyon Drake would basically be a non-factor, um, and that and that the, the Cardinals were as competitive as they are right now, you'd call me crazy. I mean, those are two guys that were, that were supposed to really be impactful on their roster this year, and they haven't been. But Kyler Murray's been right. so much better than I think we thought he would be. And yeah, oh, I love Kyler Murray. I love that. Defense, 
even though their defense sucks. So uh, it'll be fun to <laughs> yeah. fun to watch that shootout because that that game uh, I haven't looked at the over unders yet for this weekend, but pound the over in that game. Yep, five oh five five four oh five p.m. Eastern time game this Sunday. Seahawks at the Cardinals. The game that I want to watch, and it's not like a game that I'm going to enjoy watching, but I just feel like I have to because they're both undefeated. Steelers at the Titans. I, I don't know how the Steelers are doing it. I'm assuming it's the defense. I don't know how the Titans are doing it. I'm assuming it's with Derrick Henry. So Derrick Henry versus Steelers defense, 1 p.m. game on this Sunday. I'm going to have to watch it. Although, to be honest, Ryan, I'm being on that Patriots game. I'm kind of interested to see what the 49ers do with the Patriots. 49ers seem to bounce back now that Garoppolo is healthy. Patriots, a little bit uh, – I mean, it didn't look that great with, with Cam Newton coming back. I'm going to assume it's conditioning. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if they can get back on the horse, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, compete with the 49ers. It looks like they're they're back up there, so who'll say, who knows? We'll see. Anyway, that's what we got to this week. We're at the end of the time. We actually ran a little bit over, a little bonus time for everybody. Let's get the air horn on the show. All right, Adam, let me start with you and uh, tell, get, tell you, you know, first of all, everyone, go check out the Burgundy and Gold Report. It's fantastic. Uh, you want to promo something for us, Adam, that you're doing right now, other than the string of podcasts, which, of course, everyone should check out regarding quarterback uh, prospects for next year? Yeah. Um, you know, again, everyone can find me at burgundyandgoldreport.wordpress.com. Um, I'm going to have, uh, you know, continue the you know, content with Washington. But, unfortunately, you know, as the season goes on, a lot of fans are left wondering, you know, what's next if, if they don't have confidence in, you know, the team going forward. So what we're going to be putting out the Burgundy Gold Report is just, Again, like the pod series the Burgundy Network is doing, what we're going to do is we're going to start featuring more draft picks, more, you know, small school, more HBCU um, players that, you know, fans can keep an eye on for the later rounds. Because, you know, as everyone knows, we can all Google, you know, the, the top 100, 150 players and, you know, get to know them. Everyone's talking about them. But, you know, to find those unknown gems mm-hmm. like, you know, the Kyle Duggar last year that I unearthed, you know, this is an exciting yeah, time. There's yeah. definitely more players like this. And um, it, it, it's something that uh, – We'll have more uh, small school players to evaluate this year, so definitely excited to get into that. Yeah, Adam is, by the way, brilliant at getting those small school players and finding those for you last year. Amazing, amazing coverage. They go to him now. He doesn't go to them. So definitely check in and check that out. You want to give us your uh, social media so people can follow you, Adam? Yeah, thanks. Uh, Follow me at at the B&G Report, lowercase r. And, again, all my links to my site are on there. All right, great. And Ryan, how about your social media so people can follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Whitfield, N-E, and, and Hakun. I mean, just the, the blatant disrespect for Ryan Tannehill, who has been uh, a top three <laughs> quarterback since he took over for Tennessee last year, to say, how are they doing it? Just Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill, and I, and I hated Ryan Tannehill, um, has been one of yep. the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL over like, this like, 19-20 game stretch. And, and remember, like, their one big loss was, was a game that they were up 10 points in against the, the team that went on to win the Super Bowl. This Titans team did not come out and lay uh, a proverbial wet fart this year. They have been just as good as they picked yep. up right where they did last year. Um, and, and they, unlike the Patriots, handled the COVID outbreak by coming out and continuing to win. Um, the Patriots came out and looked right. like they were distracted and had stuff. Uh, <laughs> like and they got out of an outbreak. Smaller school guys. <laughs> In the case of the smaller school guys, you know, like Kyle Duggar, uh, it does it does help when you're when you're Kyle Duggar and you and you grow six inches or eight inches, whatever it was, and added forty pounds of muscle from your from the time you were recruited until you graduated. Uh, that'll that'll yep. that'll really help. It does help. You, so, uh, 
that that profile, if we can, if you can track all the guys for me that shoot up eight inches in there, have that that nineteen year old growth spurt, um, because I I had no idea who Kyle Duggar was, and since watching him out here in New England, he's been fantastic to watch. Absolutely, and uh, and Ryan, your social media. Yeah, I thought I said, but it's just at Ryan Whitfield Ne. Um, and then you, you yes. just, just come on there and argue with me so that if you take a shot at me in a mock draft from three years ago, uh, I promise I will hold on to that and, uh, and come back to yell at you <laughs> at some point. Yes, that's right. That's right. You, you <laughs> Watch what you say to Ryan because he will not forget. He will not forget. Social media is so nice. We say it twice. All right, guys. Thanks so much, Adam, for joining us again today. It was fantastic, as per usual. Lots Appreciate of great information. It. We had a uh, and it's always nice to have a guest ghost on the show as well at the beginning of the, se- at the, beginning of the show. That's fantastic. Two guests uh, for the price of one. Hey, guys, uh, thanks for coming out and wasting time with us. And until next time, everyone enjoy your NFL week. And, Ryan, I hope your soup was good.